everybody, it's Liz, and here's the lineup for the Popping Collars franchise for the month of August 2020. Betsy, Greg, Ricardo, and I talk time travel with a conversation about all of the possibilities and pitfalls of traveling to the past. Take Two features the return of Holly McHale Larson, discussing the influx of live-action Disney princess movies. Betsy and Greg review the film Glory in this month's Going on 30. And also, don't forget, you can vote for our Going on 30 awards by going to our website, poppincollarspodcast.com. Shayna Watson and Gray continue to boldly go through six episodes of Star Trek on The Sacred Six. This month, they're exploring the classic episode, The Devil in the Dark. Finally, and this is very exciting, Ricardo and I are hosting a brand new mini version of the Popping Collars Book Club at the end of this month. Join us for our end of the summer reading suggestions. Thanks for listening and keep those collars popped. Shana, what's the weirdest thing you've ever found while digging for precious metals? Worms? There's <laughs> <laughs> no buried treasure. There's no buried treasure in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. No, not at all. <laughs> this is the Sacred Six. Welcome to the Sacred Six. Sometimes an item in pop culture is just too big for one podcast episode, and that's where this show steps in. I'm your host, Greg Knight, and my special guest for this series is Shayna Watson. Shayna, how are you? I'm good, thanks. We continue to boldly go through six episodes of Star Trek, and this month we find ourselves at season one, episode 26, The Devil in the Dark. Here we go. It's our one-minute plot <laughs> synopsis. Okay, I'll tell you what. I'll take this one. Since, you it, okay, since you I sprung it on you last time. Here, I'm going to put one minute on the You're clock. Here. Uh, okay, The Devil in the Dark. This episode starts with a mining colony, and uh, a few of the miners end up getting burned alive, and it becomes a mystery of what is down in the hole that's been uh, killing these miners. Uh, Kirk and Spock go down to investigate on the planet. And what they find at the center is a, an alien creature that they have no idea uh, what it is or what it wants. It is kind of like a blob that, doesn't, that can't communicate except telepathically through Spock. And what they realize is that this creature has been living in the center of this planet, laying its eggs, trying to survive while the mining colony has been invading its home. And they end up uh, working out a situation where the miners can mine and the creature can live. And uh, the Enterprise leaves the end. Okay, just made it. <laughs> just barely. <laughs> I looked at the clock oh, and I had five pressure. seconds. <laughs> That's too much pressure, the one-minute plot. Okay. You did great. Devil in the Dark, what was the moment that stood out most to you in this episode, Shane? The title in and of itself um, came to mind when Kirk and Spock were in the cave. And, you know, and Spock is doing his mind read, becoming, you know, his empath, his empathic 
exercise when he's reading the mind and becoming one. But for me, it was like, well, who's really the devil? Who's really the mm-hmm. devil in the dark? Is it this creature in this cave that was trying to protect its babies? Because ultimately that's what they ended up finding out mm-hmm. is that, you know, when these quote unquote space invaders came down and started mining in their caves, they were disrupting a habitat. Mm-hmm. And so quite naturally in defense of one's home and children, she was defending her or he or it was defending itself. Mm-hmm. So it started killing people. Um mm-hmm. <laughs> But then, you know, of course, they eventually learned to live together, even though they both thought the other was ugly. And it right. found Spock's ears very attractive. <laughs> I can't remember the name. of it. I'm just going to call it the creature. Yeah, mine was uh, that first encounter that Kirk and Spock have with the creature. Uh-huh. And I think that the reason that it stood out in my mind is because Kirk was emphatic uh, leading up to the moment before he actually saw it with his own eyes, he was emphatic that, that whatever was down there, it was necessary to be killed and uh, that it was nothing but a menace. Like he couldn't fathom that it could be anything else. Um, The reason that that first encounter stands out to me, especially between Kirk and the creature is because he doesn't fire first. Mm. He waits. He, the creature's coming towards him and he just waits and he stays patient, and then he makes a decision. And I think that so often, like, what we see from leaders uh, in our current world and, and, you know, anywhere, is that, you know, like, there's this kind of social media, like, function where it's like, get your take out there right away, you know? Get your, get your idea out there as soon as possible. But the strength of Kirk in this moment is that he waited, until he had the information that he needed to then make a decision. It wasn't just shoot first and figure it out later. It was, well, let me, let me think about this for a second. Yeah. He was hard set on killing this creature. I mean, cause it makes sense. Every time someone goes down there, I think the quote was whenever someone goes down, they die. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the whole episode starts off with this fear based trauma, you know, that they were the victims. Mm-hmm. They were being terrorized by this thing no one can identify. They couldn't, I think one person was able to injure it or to have a direct shot, but, you know, it it created more fear because the thing never died. It continued to come back. But then by the end of the episode, I mean, everyone's like working together. (laughs) But it almost didn't happen because everyone wanted to lynch the Mm -hmm. rapture. Mm Now, again, the Starfleet coming in as, you know, they're like the United Nations of outer space, but the miners, they were just like, get out of our way. Mm-hmm. We're going to kill this creature. And they like literally attacked them. And in my mind, for me, it triggered a lynch mob right away. Yeah. Like they're going in, who cares who's in their way? They're going to kill this creature. So, yeah. No, and that's totally, yeah, what it seemed like. And the, you know, it's so, it was such a great idea to make the creature as other as possible. So that wasn't it wasn't humanoid. It didn't have any kind of like any kind of features that we would think of as human. Even even bones is like it's not a carbon based life form. Like it's a it's a rock. Like that's not that's not even a living creature. You know, like you know, it's like it, it was so other that they couldn't even comprehend how it was even alive. So that may be like the easiest way of stomping something out i mean that's like basically the miners are like we're we're trying to step on an ant like what can an ant 
think about the world? Like, how can that be a living creature? Now you've got me thinking about the title. Love that image of the devil in the dark and who is the devil? Because now it you could basically tell this story from the creature's point of view. And it basically is like the movie Alien. You know, it's like this thing is coming in and wiping out my babies and my eggs and like i don't know i don't understand it and i can't figure out why they're doing it until you just said that i didn't appreciate it i just thought that, you know the little alien creatures were gross they're planting right. their seeds inside of human beings i'm like no take them out but now <laughs> i'm just like oh yeah <laughs> we are the well devil. they had sharp teeth though so maybe they just <laughs> <laughs> all right so uh so where does this episode intersect with where we are today I think we're still asking the question, who is the devil in the dark? Mm-hmm. Um, I can see how how information and communication can be misconstrued. But the part that was challenging and the miners would have never known until Spock translated for them. Mm-hmm. So how do we, you know, I guess I'm getting all Christian right now um, and theological, you know, how do well, we you're in the right place. Oh. Yeah. You're in the right place for that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like how do we respond to that call to translate, to interpret, to heal when people are, are speaking at or past one another, because a lot of those things could have easily have been resolved at the beginning had the miners had known Oh, we're in somebody's habitat. Mm-hmm. And for it to be able to express its pain, its concern. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, I was, I'm, I'm totally in agreement with you. What it made me think of were um, Westerns that I watched as a kid. And yeah, it, it makes me think of like all of that media that showed the white colonizers as heroes going out into the frontier and they would run across cultures that they didn't understand and didn't see as human and would just wipe them out. Uh, and they were celebrated in our media for years and years and years. They were celebrated. Like this, w- this was a telling of that story, but it was undercutting all of the messages that you would have been getting out of the Westerns. That's an excellent point. Cause now it's like, now we're talking about the colonizer and colonization and the violence that comes with that. And I believe with this particular episode, The Devil in the Dark, it presented a really ideal ending, Mm -hmm. but we all know it doesn't always end like that where everyone's like, oh, we'll get along and share our space. It often ends with death (laughs) and devastation, the rape and pillaging of, um, of, in this case, of those caves, of those mining caves. um, And the fact that the creatures was, they were willing to make space for the people who were not from there. They were able to make space for the miners in a very loving way, despite, despite its pain. And I think too, because I love bones, if I'm not mistaken, this was like one of the two episodes, one of the beginning episodes where he really started talking about that I'm a doctor, not a blah, blah, blah. Not a mason worker or something? Yeah. Not a bricklayer. Not a bricklayer. I died. I rewound that part like five times. I don't know if rewound is a word. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm totally with you. Like on the Spock thing. Oh my gosh, that's such a great point. Because 
You're right. It's about communication and empathy. Captain, you're aware of the Vulcan technique of the joining of two minds. You think you can get through that thing? Possible. I'll try. and waves of searing pain it's an agony and the first word that spock says when he communicates with the creature is pain and he feels it so it's like so it's not just communication like you can communicate with somebody and still not understand where they're coming from true communication requires empathy you have to be able to feel what the person is communicating to you you just had church i put my hands in It's a hundred percent. I totally didn't see that until you just pointed it out. Yeah, Spock is so key in that moment because it's not it's not just about understanding what the creature wants, it's about feeling what the creature needs. Absolutely. And he is the most he is the non-emotional character, Mm -hmm. but he's an empath. The person who doesn't feel the most feels the most. Oh my gosh. What a great episode. Uh, Who is your MVP of the episode? Sounds like you're leaning Spock for this. Definitely Spock. And you know, Bones is is my guy. He does some weird stuff. And when he said, I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. And the fact that he made me rewind that special part. Because you know, on Netflix, you can do like a little 10 second rewind. Yeah. Yeah. Hit that thing at least five times. I'm like, (laughs) no, you didn't. So yeah, definitely spot for MVP one and then runner up. How about you? Uh, I'm going to go Kirk. I think, I think the reason I'm going to go Kirk as MVP is because he was convinced to kill the creature on site and he moved from that to trying to understand it. Uh, in the moment that he was confronted with it. And, you know, like I was just thinking of that idea of Westerns, you know, so much of a Western is built around this gunslinger and can you shoot first before the other person shoots you? Uh, And Kirk Kirk had a moment where he could have been a gunslinger and instead he opted to be, he opted to be a reconciler or someone who wanted to understand rather than kill. Dan Spock. I mean, honestly, it's Spock. I had to, I, <laughs> I, had, to I had to think of a reason it could be Kirk. It's Spock. Spock's name. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Always Spock, but you know. <laughs> yeah. It's basically let's 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 take it as a given that Spock's gonna be MVP. We're probably gonna say other names, but really we're all thinking it's Spock this whole time. That is another adventure in the captain's log. Next up, we'll be heading to season one, episode twenty-nine. City on the Edge of Forever, roundly considered to be the best episode of the series, but we'll be the judge of that. So we'll see you then. Star Trekking across the universe. On the Starship Enterprise, I'm your Captain Kirk. Star Trekking across the universe.